you know. Bill and trust me with that one. Um, you know, sometimes a preacher will come up to the, the front and the first thing he'll say is, oh, it's lovely to be here with you tonight. You know, sometimes they're just being polite. But I want to say to you sincerely, I have genuinely been really looking forward to coming here tonight. Thank you for inviting me. Now, sometimes I bring a sermon that is meant to challenge people or to challenge the church. Sometimes I bring the sermon that is meant to encourage the church. What I brought tonight, I'm hoping, will encourage you individually. So when Pastor Dave comes back next week, if you could just tell him he was really encouraging last week, you know, that would be great. I wonder if you've ever come across somebody uh, who's come up to you and said, you know, I don't believe the Bible because there are too many contradictions. And you know what? 98% of the time, you will say to them, well, show me what contradiction you mean. And they won't have a clue. They say that as an excuse. But I want to bring to you tonight a contradiction. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not going all deep and philosophical with you tonight. I just want to, it's just a way of uh, introducing the topic that I want to bring to you tonight. So, a contradiction. The Bible tells us that we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. That's right, isn't it? We can be free. And he also says, he that the Son sets free is free indeed. That's true, isn't it? Well, here's a contradiction. How can we be truly free if there are certain things that we can never escape from. Even as Christians, and especially as Christians, there are certain things that we can never escape from. Let me explain to you. How can we be free if there are things we can't escape from? I want you to use your imaginations. I want you to imagine that I'm an animal liberation agent. What do I mean by that? I'm part of the animal liberation people, and I go to set animals free. You know the kind of people. My task is to free a lion. So I get dressed up, you know, my black balaclava and me black clothes and me black gloves. And I go up to Dudley Zoo and I, I sneak into the zoo and I find a lion cage. Well, have they got any lions these days? Actually, have they got any animals left these days? But I'm going to find the lion cage and I'm going to get my bolt cutters and I'm going to snap the lock and I'm going to take that lion, put him in the back of my transit van, and hope that he doesn't eat me. 
But I'm going to take this lion to a big four-bedroom house. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to have, it's going to have bathrooms upstairs and downstairs. It's going to have a conservatory. It's going to have a swimming pool and a jacuzzi in the back garden. And I'm going to give this lion the keys to this house and it can live there in perfect freedom for the rest of its life. And my question is this, is that lion truly free? Is it? No. You see, for a lion to be truly free, it has to be in its own natural environment. Now, for a Christian to be truly free, a Christian has to be in its own natural environment. And that environment has boundaries. But I don't want you to think of those things as bars in a prison cell holding us back. I want you to think of these things, that the things I'm going to bring to you tonight, I want you to think of them as walls of a house that give us protection and security. I want you to think of them as positive things. So, what are these things we cannot escape from? Firstly, we can never escape from God's love. In the Bible, in Romans, it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, neither our fears for today, nor our worries for tomorrow, Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That passage is very clear on that point. Nothing can change God's mind about loving us. He will never stop loving us and there's nothing that we can say or do that will ever stop God from loving us. We just read that. It says that nothing in all creation can stop God from loving us. You know, when we're in eternity, God's not going to get bored of us after 10 million years and stop loving us. God is love. 
And God is eternal. So God's love is eternal. In the verses we read, it said, Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow can separate us from his love. Do you know what one of the biggest issues is in this world? In this day and age, anxiety is one of the biggest issues. It's almost an epidemic. Fear, doubt, worry. A man called Craig Groeschel, I hope I've pronounced that right, addressed this when he said, anxiety is a signal telling you it's time to pray. Despite what we might feel, no matter how anxious we get, or how afraid we get, we cannot escape the love of God. In 1 Peter it tells us, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares about you. You know, we all know that God's love is free and he gives us his grace. But you know, sometimes we can slip back into thinking that we have to learn, we have to earn God's love by what we do. Let me tell you this tonight. All of our achievements, or even the lack of achievements, can change God's love for you. If you were a genuine failure all your life, and I can tell you, no, you're not. If you were, God would still love you. His love is not based on what we do. It's an unconditional love. If you go back to the passage that we read, it said, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all creation is a blanket term that means basically anything at all. Everything. Nothing. So logically, that also means sin. Sin cannot separate you from God's love. Now we know that sin can spoil our relationship with God. It can cut us off from his blessing until that sin is dealt with. But it can never separate you from God's love. He will still love you, even as sinners. To understand this kind of love, let's, let's think about the love of a parent for their children. Their love is unconditional. Despite how well our children do at school, whatever their achievements are or, or their lack of, no matter even how naughty our children can be, we might scold them, 
We might discipline them. And sometimes, if we're honest, we might even be a little bit disappointed in them. But we will never stop loving our children. We are God's children. He's our Father, and he will never stop loving us. Something else we see about God's love is, is this. The, the last words in the passage. The love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It mentions Jesus in connection with God's love. Why? It's because Jesus and his actions on the cross are the embodiment of God's love for us. It's love in action. You see, love, real love, is not shown in words or feelings. It's shown in action. And God shown his love in action, in sacrifice. Jesus died on the cross. We remember that just Jesus died in agony on the cross to prove God's love for you. Now, if you don't remember anything else from this sermon tonight, I want you to remember this. I want you to take this sentence, this phrase away with you and remember it. And it's this. Relax. God still loves you. And he always will. You can never escape God's love for you. The second thing you can never escape from is this. You can never escape God's presence. In Psalm 139 it says this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. In Deuteronomy, it says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God will personally go with you. He will never fail you. He will never abandon you. In Jeremiah, it says this, Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere? in all the heavens and earth. And in Isaiah we're told that whole earth is filled with his glory. That's a lot of verses on the same subject. So it seems to me that the Bible's very emphatic on this subject of God's presence. God is omnipresent which is a clever way, really, of just saying he's everywhere at the same time. 
Well, if God's everywhere, it means there is no place that we can go where God is not there. He can see what you're doing. He can hear what you're saying. He can even know what you're thinking. Anywhere you are. You know, some scientists are saying that we're very, very close to finding life on other planets. They're talking about life on planets that are hundreds of light years away, millions of light years away. Well, I'm cleverer than the scientists because I know there's already life there. God's there and God's alive. There is life on all the planets. It's God. The Bible also tells us that when we're born again, God puts his Holy Spirit within us. So think about this. Even if there was a place that we could go to where God's presence wasn't there, as soon as we step foot in that place, we brought God's presence with us. So there is nowhere to escape from God's presence. It has been said that peace is not the absence of trouble but the very real presence of God. But, and it's a big but, there is a sense where we can be in God's presence, but not re really present with God. Have you ever seen this happen? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, did you see what I did there? I ignored you. I do apologise. People call it social media. I call it very antisocial. You know, whole families can sit in a room together and not actually be together. You've got the teenagers on the phones. You've got dad reading the newspaper. Mum's watching TV. They're all in the same room, but they're not together. I remember when I was younger, and I was a young man once, I remember a cartoon picture of a family celebrating Christmas together, and they were having a, a great time. They were opening presents, they were playing together. Yet in this picture, there was Jesus in the corner, apparently invisible. Everybody was ignoring him. And Jesus said, every year they celebrate my birthday without me, Maybe next year. God is always present with us. And yet so often we don't recognize the promise 
the, the, the presence of God. We ignore God. You know, God doesn't share his presence with us grudgingly. He wants to be with you. He longs for your company. He longs to spend time with you. And he waits patiently for us to turn our attention away from the distractions and towards him. A man called Brother Lawrence in the 17th century wrote some teachings that were put together in a book. And the book was called Practicing the Presence of God. You can learn a lot just from the title. And in it, it says that we need to live our lives as though we were in the very presence of God all the time. Why? Because we are. How often do we need to practice the presence of God? To remind ourselves, wherever we go, whatever we're doing, to remind ourselves, I'm in the presence of God. And we need to stop ignoring him. The third thing that we can never escape from is this. You can never escape God's plan and purpose for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Romans 11.29 says this, but God's gift and his calling is irrevocable. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one came to be. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Do you realise that before you were even born, God had planned your life out. Four years ago, my daughter had a baby. The baby was due to be born just before Christmas. Christmas came, Christmas went. No baby. New Year came and went, no baby. And we were anxiously waiting for this baby. We'd got our plans for this baby. We were planning which university she was going to go to. But we had plans for this baby. Eventually, she came on the 2nd of January. Do you realise that God was planning and anxiously waiting for you to be born? He had his plans, all written out for you, even before you were born. God doesn't just want you to live your life randomly. He's got a very specific purpose for your life. Now that means that we need to know that plan. 
Have you ever seen one of these people who they buy a piece of flat pack furniture from Ikea and they get everything out on the floor and then they try to put it together without looking at the instructions? Doesn't work, does it? <laughs> we need to follow the plan. Then we need to ask God what his plans and purposes are for our life. Do you know what God's plan is for your life? Do you know what purpose he's got for you? We need to know God's big picture for us and we need to work to it. Now, what if we see God's plan for our life uh, but we feel that it's a little bit too big for us. What if we feel that we're not up to the task? Does that excuse us from following God's plan? No. You see, God knows you through and through. He knits you together. He put you together. God knows exactly what you're like, and God made you specifically to fit the plan he's got for you. God's plan and purpose is tailor-made for you to suit you and to suit your abilities. If God has called you to do a certain job, then you are the right person for that job. God doesn't make mistakes. Also says, not just his calling is irrevocable, he says his gifts are irrevocable. You understand that if God has given you a plan, he has given you the gifts that you need to fulfill that purpose. What if we feel that we haven't got those gifts anymore? What if we feel we can't use them anymore? Does that mean we've lost them? Well, the Bible says that his gifts and his calling are irrevocable. You've still got those gifts. And if you haven't been using them, try looking at your feet where you drop them. Pick them up and start using them again. Now, Maybe you've felt like I've felt sometimes in the past that you've been maybe inactive in spiritual things for a while. Maybe you feel that, well, maybe you loosed God down at some point. And perhaps you feel that God's taken away your plan and your purpose because you've disappointed him. No, no way, not going to happen. God is not going to give up on you. If you had a plan and a purpose two years ago, that plan and purpose is still there. And part of God's plan that you cannot escape is the Great Commission. 
Bible talks is about the Great Commission uh, where they saw Jesus and Jesus said this to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, there are some people that will tell you that the Great Commission was for his disciples then. Doesn't apply to us now, does it? Listen carefully to what Jesus said. Jesus talks about taking his word to the ends of the world. Do you know what? One generation of disciples could never fulfill that. One generation of disciples could not take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He also talks about the end of the age. We haven't actually got to the end of the age yet, but all the disciples have died away. You know what that means? It means that the Great Commission is for every generation, which means it's for us. I don't like to criticise churches, but some churches, you know, have reinterpreted that Great Commission to mean, well, our purpose is to entertain the Christians. Keep them comfortable and happy. Feed them on the Word of God. I, I've even heard of churches that play volleyball after the, um, after the worship. Some churches that have trampolines on the stage. That's not what church is about. Our churches need to be mission-minded and acting to reach out to the world. So, we cannot escape God's love. We cannot escape God's presence. We cannot escape God's plan and his purpose. And we cannot escape the Great Commission. Thank you.